Sanctus Church, good morning. So glad that you're joining us again today, whether, again, you're watching On Demand, watching live right now at Site 5, maybe you're watching us at one of our sites, or this is a podcast months or years later. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, again, most welcome. All right, welcome back to John 2 and John 3. Now, like I shared a few weeks ago, the theme that's actually running through our whole year is found in that one little word, stand. And this theme for the year came out of prayer, not observation. There is something, again, that God is wanting us as a local church not just to learn about, but actually participate in. And that's truth and love. What is love and what is truth? And then walking in love and walking in truth. Now, last week, we started exploring 3 John. And maybe you were with us, and we were introduced to a person, most likely a church leader, named Gaius. Now, Gaius was a man of truth. Gaius was living out the truth. Gaius Gaius was being formed by the truth. Gaius was a man of profound generosity, willing to financially sacrifice to further the kingdom of God. He had right convictions, and he was compassionate. Right theology, right action, truth, and love. But now we come to a very, very, very painful moment 2,000 years ago in this local church. Actually a nightmare. It's a standoff between leaders. See, 3 John actually is a contrast between a group of leaders. Gaius, as an example, was generous, humble, ready to serve, standing for the truth, but there's disunity in the church he belongs to because of another person, another leader. And it's here that John himself actually looks and pays attention. 3 John 9. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Okay, we don't know much about Diotrephus. There's a few options on the table. Some actually think he was the senior pastor of this church. Others think he wasn't the senior leader, but he wasn't a formal, he was a formal leader, but because of his personality, he was taking over. In other words, force of personality, not calling or gift. Others think he's not a leader at all. But in this church, he's causing disunity, and he's trying to undermine God-given leadership in the church. Now, what we're going to catch today, and there's going to be a lot of emotion, by the way, for a lot of us listening to this today. I'm just pre-warning you. This conversation with Diotrephus is not about false teaching. This is not the Gnostics again. This is pride, and this is a confrontation about fear-based leadership. We don't fully know what was driving this man, but there's a chance, for example, that maybe to him, John was a perceived threat to his authority or a perceived threat to his standing in the community. But here's the point. He would not welcome the Apostle John and his team. He would not give them time or lodging. He would not give them money or place within the church. Now, why is this serious? He's not just snubbing them or unfollowing them on some social media. This is a shame-honor culture. And by not actually being hospitable to John, he's actually declaring to this local church that actually John isn't a real Christian. Remember in 2 John, when we were dealing with false teachers, and this is what John asked his church and us to do? He said in 2 John 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that's the true gospel, don't take them into your house or even welcome them. Remember I said history matters. Churches were meeting in homes at this point. So this is saying do not support, do not legitimize, do not give room in your life and your thinking in your home and your church, and we would say in our online feeds to false teachers. This is cancer. This is shipwreck. They, they can make Christians lose effectiveness and actually lead others to eternal loss. Remember I said this is not saying you can't have someone in your house that disagrees with you. This is don't accidentally or intentionally help, encourage, or support false teaching. Okay, back to 3 John. By not supporting John, 
by not being hospitable to John, Diotrephus is using religious cover to dismiss John and basically accuse him of being a false teacher. Now again, let's remind ourselves, John was Jesus's best friend, right? Uh, John is one of the original 12. So far, he's written the Gospel of John in 1st and 2nd, and now 3rd John. He's about to be given the book of Revelation later. He's personally commissioned by Jesus, and all of his friends have already been murdered for following Jesus, and he's being persecuted, and he's the false guy? Well, John's not having anything to do with this. So he says in verse 10, So when I come, I'm going to call to attention what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other Christians. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Diotrephus is the opposite of love. Notice, he's lying about John and other leaders. Malicious nonsense or lies. Now, this is one of this is going to get interesting. So just everyone sit back, pray, and listen. We really need to stop and take time to see what's true. See, in our culture right now, when someone says, I'm offended, I'm hurt, I'm traumatized, I'm triggered, our culture immediately rushes to that person and says, we believe you, because victims must be believed. Oh, and that's true, by the way. But in our culture, you're now guilty before proving innocent. See, if social media was around 2,000 years ago, Diotrephus would be saying what a toxic leader John was, and he'd list all the reasons and lies online. And here's the truth. Most of us would be quicker to believe than question. And yet, we need to pause and let's have the honest conversation. The damage and the abuse in churches is rampant and real. There have been so many disappointing, angering, and disappointing moments. Bill, Bill Hybels, <laughs> founder of Willow Creek, resigns April 2018 after allegations of sexual harassment, abuse of power. James McDonald founder of Harvest Bible Chapel, fired February 2019, creating a culture of fear, intimidation, financial, financial mismanagement. Carl Lentz, pastor of Hillsong East Coast, let go November 2020 for moral failures, including an adulterous affair, and now is actually being accused of sexual abuse. Ravi Zacharias, he dies, and then all this stuff comes out about global sexual misconduct by this great so-called leader. And then, of course... So many of us are listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill as a podcast. Oh, and then there's the Catholic Church abuse scandal that just keeps getting worse and worse. As I was literally writing this message uh, on Instagram, a post came up that in France, a major study was just done. And since 1950, now it, it seems that there's 200,000 minors that have been abused within that context. And those are just the famous people. It happens in large and small, known and unknown churches all the time. See, this is really difficult then and now. Spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, abuse of power is real. The victims are real. But on the other hand, our culture has now elevated victimization to such a high that when an accusation is said, there actually isn't a lot of accountability at the beginning. Now, many of us, and I want to say this because I've been open in front of the church, including myself, that are real victims of abuse, that's me too, need to be very aware of our own histories and not emotionally react when we hear a story that feels familiar to ours. We're commanded as Christians, no matter our background or experience, to slow down, to be slow to quick, quick to listen, slow to speak, sorry, quick to listen, and not feed off what many are now actually calling failure porn, 
and actually also see if there's real danger. See, this is difficult, but this is why Paul, for example, said in 1 Timothy 5.19, do not entertain. I just want you to sit with this word. Do not give in. Don't give room. Don't swim in this. Don't repost this. Don't say, well, that's obviously true. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Okay, back to the original case, and then we'll get to the end later. In this case, the abuse of power is real. And the tough thing in this moment is the guy who's sinning, Diotrephus, is actually acting like the victim. Now, in First and Second John, we are taught about truth and defending the truth and living in it and resisting false teaching. But Third John's about right living. The gospel worked out in the stuff of life. It's about character in the life of a leader. I mean, my personal life verse I picked years ago is this. It's 1 Timothy 4.16. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Uh, persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Life and doctrine. Life and doctrine. I'd probably say in that order. Why was Diotrephus a bad leader? A bad influence on this local church? Because he was teaching that sin was okay? No. That Jesus is not God? No. That Jesus didn't rise from the dead? No. That actually physical was bad and spiritual was good? No. Did he start teaching, no, you can live any way you want with money or sex? No. He's the scary part of Christian leadership because he actually not only believed the right things, he actually believed the right things, but he did not love other Christians. He's breaking unity because of pride, fear, and want of control. And he's actually kicking out other Christians for breaking, notice, his personal word, not God's word. He's not loving God, and he's not loving neighbor, and he's actually not submitting to the authorities that God had given in this church, like John. So this bad leader has to be confronted. It was the famous English medieval leader uh, in the church, Bede, who said this. It's true, thinking on this passage, by the way, it is true that, that we must do nothing to stir up the tongue of accusers, lest they should perish on our account. Likewise, we should patiently endure those who attack us because of their own wickedness, so we may become better people. Nevertheless, there are times when we have to protest because those who spread evil stories about us corrupt the minds of innocent people who otherwise would have heard nothing but good about us. See, that is why John objects to his accuser. There is a time to confront people, not because of false teaching, but because they're the source of disunity in a local church. They have elevated personality or agenda or power beyond loving God and loving neighbor. John says in verse 11, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Now again, why is John saying this? Because this leader is the opposite of love. He's living in the opposite of love. Oh, he has right theology, but his actions show he's not full of love. Th think about the God-given definition of love. And just think about Diotrephus as you read it. 1 Corinthians 13, God-given love. Agape love is what? Kind. Nope. Patient. Nope. Never jealous, boastful, or proud. Nope. Rude. It's not rude. It's not selfish. It's not quick-tempered. It does not keep a record of wrongs that other people do. Love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. Diotrephus just is not swimming in this at all. Let me read the verse again. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. 
Do not imitate. It's a strong word. Don't copy. Don't look like. Don't model after. Do not pattern after. Don't reflect. Don't look like. Don't resemble. Don't replicate evil. Now, this out-of-control leader has shown us a few examples, but actually we need to step back and we need to realize that this is not just a command from John to Gaius. This is for all of us who are Christians. We're all called not to copy or imitate evil. And then we need to stop because we're so busy and tired and we lose focus and say, oh, oh, right, right, right. Uh, What's evil again according to the Bible, not according to me or my culture? Oh, Paul says it simply in Galatians 5.19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I've done this before. Let me do it again. It matters. The first three words just refer to sexual sin. Sexual immorality is the word that we get called, it comes from a word called porneia. We get our word pornography from it. If you look up the word porneia in any biblical dictionary, it's actually a catch-all word used by Orthodox Jews 2,000 years ago to summarize all the forbidden sexual acts in the Bible. The dictionary definition says it means adultery and fornication, same-sex activity, not attraction, don't confuse the two, intercourse with animals and incest, etc. Any sexual act outside of marriage is formed by God in Genesis is included in the word porneia. Idolatry is worshiping any other God other than the God of the Bible or actually giving yourself or lifting up anything beyond God. Now, there's formal ways and informal ways of doing this. Uh, the formal way is through what we call formal religion or, or spiritual or folk religion. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, when a person, even a good or sincere person, worships another god, it's idolatry. When a Hindu gives offerings to Ganesh or Vishnu or Brahman, when a Buddhist teaches karma or reincarnation or lives like nirvana is earned by self-instruction, uh, idolatry. When a Jehovah Witness meets on Sunday morning and worships Jesus, but they say Jesus was created and he used to be the angel, uh, the angel Michael, idolatry. When a Mormon worships a God that sounds like ours, but say he's one about millions, or when the wicked witch calls on the powers of nature to bless someone, it's all idolatry in a formal sense. Many people break uh, God's heart knowingly or not through spirituality, spiritual actions that connect you to spiritual forces other than God or elevate you to God's place. Like I've preached for so many years, beneath all our technology and science and medicine, you'll find that the average person is still involved in psychic readings and crystals and new age and witchcraft and horoscopes and sometimes Satanism and Ouija boards and reincarnation readings and ghosts and haunted houses and levitation and palm reading and seances and tea leaves and water witching and going to people with Reiki power energy and numerology and some of you actually have idols in your gardens that you bought at HomeSense and you got the magic eight ball and astrology. Some of you are participating in secret societies that you've made oaths to things that sort of are God and sort of all of its idolatry. Any worshiper gaining spiritual power or spiritual information from anyone other than the living God is idolatry. The secular form of it, of course, is uh, found in sex, money, and power. They're all good, by the way. Sex, money, and power are all gifts from God, but they can be used to replace God. One wrote, sex and shekels and stomach become the unholy trinity that worships the God of self through pleasure, possession, and position. Like I said a few years ago, John, I know that God says I shouldn't have sex outside of marriage, but I love her and we're living together. Come on, it's 2021. No, 
your sexual life with your girlfriend or boyfriend is an idol and your relationship is an idol. John, I know that God told me to surrender that or give this money or time, but no, then your fear is an idol. John, come on, I, I don't have time to do Christian community. You know how hard it's been the last 20 months and disciplines and spiritual getting out of... Hold on. Whatever you love, whatever controls you, is your God. God says we're called to be sexually pure and we're supposed to worship only one God. Hatred, by the way, means three things. In the original Greek, it means hatred between rich and poor. It can mean hatred between different ethnic groups, races. It's not skin color, it's races. Or hatred between people. So you can hate someone because of their skin color, actually, or because they're from another group. Or you can hate someone because they're rich or poor or vice versa, or you just don't like someone and you hate them. That's sin. Discord. You cause division all the time. You've got a quarrelsome spirit. Your life is marked by rivalry. Personally and online, you cause a fight. Jealousy and envy. You just want what other people have. Fits of rage, out of control anger, selfish ambition. Much of what you do, even good things, is promoting you or yourself or your ideas. It's a motive level. Most people wouldn't even know about it, but you do. Dissension, you're the heart of disputes. You love disunity. You create strife and revolt and rebellion marks you. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. It's my body, you know. Careful, careful. Factions, where we get our word heresy from. False groups promoting false teaching, disunity, and false religion. And then drunkenness is drunkenness. It's never been God's will to get buzzed or drunk or high or stoned or tipsy or inebriated or laced or lit or plastered or potted or wasted or tanked. No, we're just called out. I know a lot of people, a lot of us use this stuff because life is monotonous or we want to escape or we want courage. And I understand this is complicated. Some of it's addiction, some of it could be biology or disease or chosen, but see, God calls us out of this. And then orgies is just a way of saying riotous, unbridled, wenching, whoring, wild pleasure that replaces God. Paul says in Galatians 5.21, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, by the way, don't misread this. <laughs> this is not saying that we who occasionally stumble or struggle or lapse or are inclined suddenly go to hell. This is saying that those who celebrate this, habitually live like this, are evidencing eternal life is not present. We're not called to imitate these things. We're called to be holy and loving. John has already said in third gen that Gaius is a great leader. And he says, hey, listen, Gaius, I don't want you to imitate what you're seeing in Diotrephus or anyone else like this. Just live a holy life. Uh, John's not done. He actually speaks to uh, Gaius about another leader in verse 12. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. We know the truth, and uh, sorry, he knows the truth, and he actually defends the truth, and he walks in the truth. What a great description. He knows the truth, he defends the truth, he walks in the truth. Then John says, listen, I got much to write to you, but I don't want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We're going to talk face to face. Peace to be peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Okay, there's so much to unpack here. So let me do it carefully. First, if you are a leader within the sound of my voice, then our God-given call and assignment is to grow in truth and love. Conviction and compassion. 
So much of the deconstruction of faith, many people leaving the Christian faith on our watch, is because of a perfect storm. One, there is a rebellion in culture against authority. There's no doubt about it. Also, the church, like we found out as we've gone through Jude a few years ago, and then 2 John lately, is full of false teaching, and many Christian pastors and leaders are actually affirming false teaching. But third of all, the abuse of power by leaders that teach truth and betray the truth by their lives is having a massive effect. It's creating a massive wake. If you're a Christian leader, again, within the sound of my voice, let me just say this. We must watch our life and doctrine closely. Oh, we're never going to be perfect, and we're going to screw up and make mistakes. That's fine. But we've got to watch our life and doctrine closely, real carefully. The consequences are just too high. We may not be able to stem the tide, but we should not be helping it. We've got to fight for truth, which is hard. We've got to resist false teaching, which is really hard. And we need to work so hard to be a person growing in love and compassion, conviction and compassion, truth and love, grace and truth. This is the hard middle, but it's our God-given middle. Second, and this is said to everyone, not to one group, everyone needs to slow down. We need to slow down. In our social media-driven world, we are always pushed to declare, presume, and act without reflection. Be careful not to entertain accusation. Be very careful. There's so much at stake in so many people's lives in both directions. So, if there's darkness and it is seen and proven, then we as Christians must act quickly not to cover up anything. But in that order, be careful. Why? Because much of the time it's hard to see who John is and who Diotrephus is. I, always, I, I need to say this again, though. But if there is an abuse of leadership, the church, like John, must be ready to act quickly and swiftly. And much of what I referred to earlier didn't happen because leaders didn't act swiftly. Third, this whole year is about standing in love and truth. This is to all of us. And so God calls us not to imitate evil. One thing we must all be reminded of again is, who are you hanging out with? I, personally or literally socially online. Because who you hang out with actually teaches you what you imitate. Who are you allowing to have the greatest influence in your life? It was um, Solomon who said in Proverbs twenty two twenty four, don't make friends with, hot, hot, with a hot-tempered person. Don't associate with one who's easily angered, or you may learn their ways and yourself get ensnared. Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Real question. Are you like John and Gaius, walking the truth, and Demetrius, by the way, walking the truth, loving the truth, defending the truth? Are you around people that are promoting holiness and love and truth in your life? Because if you are hanging out with those who are having more influence in your life than God, be careful. You'll start imitating the world. That's not saying you shouldn't have a relationship with non-Christians. Oh my goodness, please have more. We, don't, we can't afford little Christian bubbles everywhere. But honestly, who has the greater influence is the question. By the way, did you flinch while I was preaching today? Did you get angry, feel a little defensive when I read through that list of sin? It's okay. Just be honest and repent. Don't run, don't hide, don't dismiss. Don't say, well, I know better, or don't say my truth says. Or, no, no, just repent. Just repent. Just say, you know what? God's right, and I've got to deal with this. 
I think the great prayer out of 3 John is this. For the leaders of Sanctus and all of us as the people of Sanctus, we want to be a church and a people that look like Gaius, a people that know the truth and defend it, a people living out of truth, a people being formed by truth, a, a, a people that are being marked by profound financial generosity, being willing to sacrifice our time and money to further the kingdom of God, and also continually growing in conviction and compassion, right theology and right action, in doctrine and life, in truth and love. It would be good if we just stopped and prayed about that. And also just maybe took a moment to pray about this whole conversation that just stirs up so much for all of us. So, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know everything about every person who's listening right now. So number one, here's our prayer. Uh, would you continue to form and make this church like Gaius? Knowing truth, uncompromised, but growing also in love. Guard us, Lord Jesus, uh, from ever becoming Diotrephus, um, misusing by personality or, or, or power. Like, Have mercy on our church. Have mercy. Lord, we also pray that this wouldn't just be true for the leaders in our church. We pray this would be true for all of us. Uh, Lord, would you lead us in a deeper character of life and also a deeper character in the area of truth? Uh, also, Lord, I just know because of the subject, there's lots of people who are listening and it brings up so much. So I just pray again, Lord, have mercy, heal people, restore people, pray for justice and healing and all of that stuff that's so needed in this moment. Help us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and very discerning to see what is true. Have mercy in our church in these difficult days, we ask. Uh, in Jesus' name, uh, amen.